You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome into Good Morning Lambo. My name's Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. Man, we've already got a herd in here in the chat, and you guys are probably wondering, what in the heck are you doing going live so early? My wife's probably asking the same question, but we're going to try to start doing a, a few more morning shows for you guys. You know, it's uh, I'm kind of a morning person anyway. Get up, grab a cup of coffee, go through some of the, uh, the latest writing from Paul Brettel and some of your favorite writers there in Green Bay. And just kind of see uh, see what's going on for the day as far as the Green Bay Packers. So that's what we're doing here. Just going to kind of hang out a little bit. We've also got a special guest here, too. Actually out running some errands this morning. Looky here. Looky here. What's up, Tim? What's up? What's up, Clayton? Hey, well, just let, me get, let me get out of the car. I had to stop by heaven today. Oh, look at this. Good morning, <laughs> Lambo. I love it, dude. Good morning. It. Yeah, right, is let it, me get back in the car. It's cold. <laughs> I'm trying to think of what entrance that is right there. Are you on the Title Town side? Yeah, I'm exactly, exactly Ridge Road. I'm on the west side of the the stadium, kind of by the Bell and Healthgate. Gotcha. Yeah, that's that's the that right there. That entrance is what Mandy refers to as our entrance because we always get the the suite tickets. Right, you go right in those doors, gang. When you get through tailgate and walk straight in, they check your ticket. You go right up the elevator to the top level. And you're in a box. It's it's absolutely awesome, man. And and I tell you, it's a, it's a little bit pricey, but it's so worth it, Tim. To be con- especially on the cold games. Oh, it's great, man. Yeah, so, I got to do that one of these years. I'm going to do that for sure. We'll make that happen for sure, man. But I appreciate you hopping on here. Do you going to hang out for a little bit? Yeah, man, absolutely. Cool. Like I said, to, to make yourself comfortable, if you want to uh, kill the camera, whatever point, that's totally cool with me. But uh, let's uh, let's go through the chat real quick. See who's hanging out in here, man. We got a herd. Like I said, we got Zane in here. Zane was in here uh, 30 minutes early. My man, early bird gets the worm. Um, let's see. We got uh, Jarrell. We got Drew. We got Carly Ray. A whole bunch of people in here. This is awesome, dude. Nick in the house. Nick McSwain. Um, who else? Who else? Who else? Emilio. Look at Emilio over here. You better get to work, dude. Emilio. Uh, let's see. Yeah, I should have hit it. Dilo6 in the house, too. Good morning, man. Appreciate you swinging through. So, uh, uh, Jeffrey here. Good morning, fam. What's up, Jeff? Um, let's do this, man. Let's just kind of talk. You know, one of the ways I like to start my day is just kind of go through and get an, you know an update of the standings at least once a week. Kind of say, okay, what do the standings look like? What's the rest rest of the schedule look like? Kind of kind of lay out the uh, the potential for you know how the season's going to wrap up, right? So let's kind of do that. Let's look at the standings real quick. I think I've got a, a snapshot here, if I remember correctly. Maybe I don't. I may not have saved it, um, but I was looking at the standings there earlier. And, uh, you know, the Packers, they've got they've got a, a road to hold. There's no doubt about that, man. Um, let me see if I can pull it up real quick. I think I've got it right here, I believe. Let's see if this is it. But uh, the Vikings, man, that's what sucks is the Vikings have now uh, – they've now slid into that number seven spot. I don't know what I've done with that standings. This thing is off to a great start already, gang. <laughs> Let's, see. <laughs> Let's see what this one is right here. Um, actually it was a screenshot. That's why. Okay, cool. 
Let me go back down. So, yeah, Tim, as far as the standings, dude, you know, you heard Paul last night. He was talking about how important this Pittsburgh game is, right? And, and it, listen, if they they come out and bomb out, man, you know, <laughs> good luck, right? Because it's, it's going to be a pretty tough road to hoe down this next four-game stretch. And, you know, the Steelers, I know a lot of people are looking at the Steelers as, uh, you know, there's no way you can win that game, right? Um, but when you look at it, man, they're pretty weak on offense, which we'll talk about a little later in this show. But uh, I don't know, man. What do you think as far as the Packers having an opportunity to make the playoffs? They're going to have to go on a little bit of a run here, right? And it, Yeah, and it starts – well, it started last week. You know, we had to get that win at home. And uh, now it's important um, to get the win on the road to really show – you know, show show themselves and show show us all, you know, who this team really is. You know, I think if we go into Pittsburgh and squeak out a win, it probably won't be pretty. It's probably not going to be a high-scoring game. But if we can come out there with the dub heading back home against the Chargers for uh, for throwback day um, and we can grab a win there at home, now, now we're cooking. Now we're cooking with gas, you know, and uh, give us a chance to uh, – you know, I'll tell you, man, I've said this before. We, we get this win against Pittsburgh, come home and take care of home against the Chargers. I, you know, I wouldn't want to be Detroit facing us on Thanksgiving. I don't care how good they think they are. I mean, we're, we would be super hot. So I think this is huge for momentum, man, getting a big win on the road against the against the Steelers. Yeah, and, you know, the, the Lions have showed a few weaknesses, right? Um, you know, that's something that I don't think they're – I don't think they're, uh, you know – any stretch of the imagination, the best team in the league. Some people believe that. Most Lions fans believe that. I think they're built pretty strong, and they're built for the future. There's no doubt about that when you talk about the age and uh, and just how they've built that foundation. But here is the NFC standings, okay, by conference, all right? So this is kind of how the playoffs would lay out. you got the Eagles as the number one seed at 8-1. and one. you get the Lions, number two seed at 6-2. and two. you got the Niners at 5-3. and three. The Saints at 5-4. and four. The Seahawks at 5-3. and three. The Cowboys at 5-3. and three. The Vikings at 5-4. and four. Uh, the Commanders at four and five, Falcons at four and five, Buccaneers at three and five, and then of course us at three and five, and the Rams right behind us at three and six. So, with the way that that lays out, we actually play the Bucks coming up, I believe, don't we, Tim? Let me look the schedule here. Am I am I thinking? Yeah, we got so we got Tampa Bay December seventeenth. So keep that one in mind, right? Absolutely. Endings. Um, so you got a chance to leapfrog them with a head-to-head matchup, right? So if you win this week, let's say you win this week, right? You somehow, some way in Pittsburgh pull out a win. And uh, let's see. Uh, let's say the let's say the Falcons lose. Let's say the Commanders lose. Right? You're now going to be right there behind the Vikings. You take care of the Bucks when you play them. You kind of knock them out of contention. And now it's going to come down to how well are the Vikings going to play moving forward. And and I'll tell you, some people scoffed at them signing Joshua Dobbs, Tim. But man, what a great move because that you know he went to Tennessee just right down the road from us here. You know, just a a stone's throw away from where where Emilio lives. And um, he, you know, they called him Astro Dobbs, right? Because he's a like a, I mean, he he's literally studied to be an astronaut. He's one of the most brilliant minds, probably, in all of the NFL from a from an intellectual standpoint, right? I know you got a dumb redneck telling you how smart someone else is, probably probably <laughs> losing credibility right off the bat. But um, he is one of those guys. He plays smart. He can play football. And there's a reason that that teams have went after him this year, and the Vikings traded for him. But um, I think it's going to kind of come down to can we go on a run? First and foremost, you got to take care of business, right? And the goal is to get to 10 wins, right? You know, the old saying, win 10 and you're in. Sometimes it's less than that, but if you focus on 10, you can get in. But that'd be pretty cool to come uh, later in the year, Tim, as we look at the schedule again. And, you know, we're going to play the Vikings again in week 17 at Minnesota. How cool would it be that there's a playoff implications on the line for that if we could somehow put a run together? That's what I'm saying. You know, give yourself a chance to play meaningful football in December. You know, that's really been my focus. You know, we talk about roster eval, uh, QB1 eval, things that we need to accomplish this year. That's all fine. That's going to happen either way. Um, In the meantime, I'd love to compete and at least be relevant. So um, I think uh, I think this team is going to find their stride. I really do. I'm, I'm impressed with how they played against the Rams. And um, I think we need to see more of the same and we need to see continued improvement uh, on the road in Pittsburgh. And um, like I said, I hope Anders Carlson is uh, stretching that leg, man. We, we may need it. It may be one of those type of games. I would love to see him get the opportunity with the game on the line, maybe in a, a little bit hostile situation. It could be Pittsburgh, right, with that wind on the open end of the stadium. Pat McAfee talks about it all the time, how it's just a it's an absolute nightmare, right? be cool to be faced with a little bit of adversity like that game on the line 
and just hammer one home from 50 plus. Right. And just, yep. I mean, I think we would all agree he's had a good year. He missed that. He pulled that one uh, last Sunday in the ring, but uh, I think we've got us a good kicker there, man. I'm excited to see what he does moving forward for sure. Nick McSwain in the chat said, yes, more, more morning shows. Glad you enjoy it, man, for sure. Um, Drew says, I mean, nobody will complain about more content. That's that's kind of the goal, Drew. We just want to pump some more content out there to you guys and and see what sticks, right? This this may not stick. It, it, the, one way you can ensure that it would stick is, like I said, just giving feedback and, uh, and as long as the numbers are there, right? Because we we don't we definitely don't want to feel like we're dragging people along and forcing content, right? So, uh, but I, like I said, I'm a morning person, so I'm I'm really uh I'm really all about it for sure. I like this right here, Tim. Nick McSwain said, is Tim going to harass the players? <laughs> if by giving words of encouragement you mean harass the players, yes, I will be doing that. And then Drew says, wait, wasn't he supposed to be in a Steelers uniform? I thought that was the deal too, Tim. What happened, man? You couldn't. You know, the funny thing is, Clayton, I got up this morning. You know, I got I got dressed. I was getting dressed, and I looked in my closet, and I didn't find any Steelers gear. There's no <laughs> Pittsburgh Steelers gear in there at all. So I couldn't even if I wanted to. <laughs> I love it. Um, I was actually on a pod yesterday with uh, with Brady from Packer Nation, and his co-host Aaron is actually a Steelers fan. Um, she does a great job covering the Packers, though. But uh, she had a Steelers shirt on during the pod. I was like, "Well, they're trying to get me to fight on here right off the bat." <laughs> Look at this. But I, I kind of grew up a, a closet Steelers fan because of my brother. Like I was telling them, he's quite a bit older than me. He's more of a father figure to me than than really a brother. And uh, he grew up in the 70s, so he grew up during that dynasty with the Steelers. So when I was growing up in the 90s, you know, they went on that run there with Cower, and um, he, he got me liking the Steelers quite a bit. I never was a big pro football fan until I, like I said, discovered the Packers back in 03. But uh, Carly Ray says, let's get a PTA posse box at Lambeau. Hey, I've got some pretty good connections. Like I said, it's pricey, but we could make just about anything happen. Um, I like to sit in the corner of the end zone um, and uh, – Facing the uh, the upper level, right where they've done the expansion, facing the quote unquote open end, I guess you could say, and uh, we could do that. You know, we always get front row seats where it's more comfortable. You've got TVs mounted in front of you, so you can see the replay and all that good stuff. Um, it was perfect. If you don't believe me? Ask Jacob, man. We walked in there and he went, "What in the world is this? It's like a different world up there. It's really, really cool." And you know, I went to the restroom real quick. We were going to go grab some concessions. I come out, Mandy was like, "Guess who just walked by?" Oh, it was Mark Murphy. And I literally felt – I was telling Tim this the other day. I felt like uh, Michael on The Office. Remember when he thought he'd seen Tina Fey in Times Square? And, <laughs> and he, it wasn't her, right? He, he creeped her out. And then who was it? Conan O'Brien ended up walking by and he missed him. <laughs> so, he didn't even recognize him, yeah. Mandy's just out there hanging out with him and everything. I'm like an idiot in there washing my hands. and <laughs> So, anyway, it's it's a really cool experience, though. We need to try to make that happen. I'd be all about that for sure. Let's see here, Tim. We got us a super chat, boy. Let me get this schedule off uh, real quick. All right. We got George Klein with the super chat. Nine and eight, 10 and seven would be phenomenal, making the playoffs or not. That's a great point, George. Um, I definitely agree with that. You know, I'm still of the opinion, too, that if you win, if you win more than six games, that's a good year. You know, Aaron Rodgers won six games his first year in the league, right? And I know we try – I try not to make everything about Jordan Love. I don't think that all – you know, if we if we lose, it's Jordan Love's fault. I don't think if we win, it's all about Jordan, right? He doesn't have to be MVP caliber. Not that Aaron was his first year starting. But the one thing you do need to put into perspective when you talk about Aaron and, uh, and Jordan's situation, I mean, look at all the receivers that Aaron had when he, when he took over as starter, Tim. I mean, you had Greg Jennings, Donald Driver, Jordy Nelson, um, I believe you had Jordy. Yeah, you, you definitely had Jordy Nelson. Yeah, yeah, Jordy Nelson. You had uh, James Jones. Uh, you know, wasn't like a year or two later, if not that year, they they drafted Jermichael Finley. It might have actually been that year too. Um, but he had a lot better targets, I think we would agree. Or am I, am I off base there, Tim? No, not at all. I got a buddy that's a huge Brett Favre fan, and he always talks about that. Well, that was Brett's team. He came in, he had Brett's team. <laughs> and you know what? It's a it's a pretty valid argument. I mean, there were some there were some pieces in place already, which shows what you know Ted Thompson had in mind, you know, draft and develop, build the roster, draft yeah. this quarterback. You know, Brett couldn't make up his mind. We went back and forth plenty of times. It was time to make the decision. Um, 
and the rest is history. So, yeah, I mean, I was, I was in the camp of going into this season that, you know, yeah, they could win nine, nine games. Can you, can you finish nine and eight instead of eight and nine? And that would be an improvement on last year. So I think, um, you know, anything this team can do to trend in the right direction is going to make us feel better as we, uh, close out the the second half of the season but it all starts this weekend man in Pittsburgh we got we're really going to see what this Packers team is made of this is going to probably be arguably their biggest challenge um of the season so far other than obviously the the Detroit debacle um but I think this is uh certainly going to be certainly the toughest game on the schedule until uh Kansas City rolls into town so um hopefully we can get the dub yeah for sure you know it when you look at how Aaron played um, his first year starting, it's, it's a little bit different. I don't want to get, I don't, you know, want to start splitting hairs or anything, but you know, you could see Aaron's arm talent. Like, I mean, he, he threw some throws. that was like, Whoa, I don't feel like we've seen that with Jordan yet. However, I, I don't, I don't have to have the whoa throws, right? The wow throws as some people like to call them. I just need a quarterback. that's going to play efficient play on time, right, be accurate with the football. Now, we know he struggled a little bit with that accuracy. Last week was a, a big building block, I believe. But, uh, yeah, any anything more than six wins, I am really happy with. Like I said, Aaron, with all those targets, with all those those great receivers, only won six games his first year as a starter. Um, you know, so with that being said, six wins would be great. Also, if you lose, you know, if you win, let's say you win four games, I can't I can't rule out Coach LaFleur being fired. I can't I can't uh what am I trying to say? I can't criticize people for wanting a new coaching staff if you only win four games. I mean that's that's a pretty bad look, right? Um even with all the injuries and everything. So I'm I'm hoping for LaFleur's sake, at least six wins. The closer you get to nine, like George said, whether you make the playoffs or not, I do think that's a uh that's a, a big step in the right direction. And um it's kind of like what uh, Eden just said in here in the chat, said uh, Rodgers took his team with him. It's very true. There's a lot of people that <laughs> that went out the door. To, it is funny to, to kind of watch people, not that you're doing this, Eden. I know you're not, but there's many people that following the whole thing, watching the whole thing unfold on Twitter. Um, there were people, oh, yeah, Rodgers, this is going to be hilarious, watching the Jets fall on their face, taking those players, this and that. And I don't think they they realize just how uh, how much those players contributed to this team now. With a younger team, obviously the upside's a lot higher and uh, really excited to see what they can do with the upside for sure. Um, let's see uh, see what else we got here. This is pretty cool. Um, we've got – and, again, George, thank you so much for the super chat, buddy. We appreciate it. Carly Ray in the chat says, Trey Watson, Christian's brother, said that number nine was a Steelers fan growing up. That's pretty wild. I didn't know that. But since you brought it up, why don't we do this? So we actually had Christian Watson in the locker room uh, yesterday. Let's see what uh, let's see what number nine had to say about maybe his performance against the Rams and 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 anything moving forward. It's key to using the momentum from last week and moving into this one. Um, I mean, we just got to obviously. Uh, I mean, I just got to keep it going. Um, you know, you got to be able to you know build build and grow and, and you know still uh, be able to learn from games like that. Uh, you know, obviously there were still things that that we uh, could have done better. Um, so, I mean, if we just take the energy and, and, and everything that we had going last week and, um, you know, we take another step forward uh, this weekend, uh, then, you know, we'll be on the right track and, uh, you know, closer to be able to, you know, get that dub. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I mean honestly, the, the number one thing I can say for me and, and what I've done, you know, like last year when I was having success is, um, you know, just keep it going, keep growing. When you had that losing streak last year, you did you got that one and it really got the ball rolling. You guys have said that you needed that. How key is it to keep it rolling? Um, I mean, at this point, you know, where we're at in this season, uh, you know, I think it's huge for us to keep it going. Um, you know, I think we got to find a way to, to just try to go 1-0, you know, every single week uh, for the rest of the season. Um, I mean, we got to do everything that we can to, to, you know, try to win, you know, the game that we had that, you know, this week, um, we just got to do whatever we can. Uh, we got to find a way. That's kind of the kind of the theme, Tim. You know, is uh, whatever you got to do, man. Whatever it takes, right, to get the job done. Um, I like that that mentality. It almost echoes what um, Carrington Valentine was saying in the locker room the other day. We yeah. we had that clip last night from Emilio, and it's like you know you have to have a short memory. You have to have a short memory when it comes to the successes in the NFL. 
because uh, you don't want to get too big headed, especially a young team. And you want to have a short memory when you're making mistakes. So you don't get in that negative mindset and start thinking like a loser. So to hear Scoot say what he said um, tells me that, you know, this this locker room is not in as much trouble as we maybe thought it was a couple of weeks ago. Seems like these guys got their heads on straight and, uh, you know, one and oh every week. That's what I want to hear from my players, because that's all you can control. You can't. I mean, we looked at the standings now. We see Atlanta a couple clicks above us. Yeah, it would have been nice to get that win against the Falcons, you know, but we didn't. So we got to forget about that. We got to go get the win this weekend uh, against the Steelers. So um, I love what Scoot said there, man. Gives us a good, uh, good insight into the the psyche of the the guys in the locker room. Yeah, no doubt about it, man. No doubt. Sam in the chat says, heading to Pittsburgh, hoping to come home with that W. I've got a good friend. His name's Worth. He's a big Steelers fan. He was actually trying to get me to go to this game, too. But with the pod and everything, I, I want to keep this thing rolling. We got some good momentum. Um, but he said that's just – it's he he looks at that place, you know, like Lambo, right, being a lifelong Steelers fan. And everybody I've heard is just an amazing place to watch a ball game. So safe travels up there, buddy. Enjoy the game for sure. Uh, Drew in the chat says, don't you think LaFleur has earned more time with his 13-win seasons, though? No. Um, <laughs> Tim was quick. <laughs> short, short, short memory, man. It ain't about what you did three years ago. Yeah. And it ain't, it ain't about what you did with a, you know, back-to-back MVP quarterback, too, who, by the way, I think we would all agree now it wasn't LaFleur's offense, right? It was Rodgers having – I would say it was probably the, – the way I look at that whole thing and how it unfolded, 2019, you've seen the offense take a step back, right, because he started to implement what he wanted to do. You guys remember they butted heads when he first came in, right, talking about changing the play at the line. Aaron says, hey, you know, i got all this experience. I have a hard time believing you just want me to cut that off, right? And he, it was almost like he was like, all right, this is what you want. There was a little bit of melding there in 2019. 2020, you've seen – a whole bunch of McCarthy's offense in 2020. You could see the wide splits. You could also see a ton of motion that that uh, LaFleur implemented too, right? That was the emergence of duo in this offense as well. So you have, you know, with duo too, the Jets still run a bunch of duo. So duo is, uh, is something that Nathaniel Hackett was big on. The reason he got big on that too was playing, you know, coaching with Aaron Rodgers. So with that being said, if you go back and look at how everything unfolded, 2019, Offense struggled a bit. 2020, you had this hybrid version of the offense. MVP performance, 13-win season, right? Along with 2019, too, but I think we'd all agree 2019, you had that, uh, you know, 2019, you had that awesome defense, too. You know, we came out with Mike Pettin and uh, and had, yep. a, had a great defense, um, great pass rush. So 2020, MVP, right? 2021, you, you're still seeing the same type of offense. That's when the RPO really took off, right? Hillman, Devontae Adams exactly what Greg Cosell talks about, elimination, isolation, isolating Tay, even sometimes in double coverage, but having choice routes applied, you can beat the double coverage, you can beat the bracket with Tay just looking at the technique, having all those smarts, which I still can't believe we let him go, and reading the DB's posture, everything that you heard Peyton and Eli talking about on the Manning cast the other night, are they on the toes of the field, are they on the balls of the field, are they on their heels, all that stuff matters from a quarterback and a receiver standpoint. And then, of course, you let Tay go, right? 2021 or 2022, if you guys will notice, last year, people don't – they don't realize this. I think they realize it. They don't want to recognize it. It was what happened to all the motion? What happened to all the motion? The motion actually increased in 2022 from 2021. The only reason that people don't want to talk about it is because in 2021 you won 13 games. In 2022, I believe you won eight, right? So, um, yeah, I say all that to say this, Drew. Um is he going to win 13 wins this year? No. Is he? Do you feel comfortable saying he'll win 13 wins next year? I don't. I hope it happens. I don't. What about 2025? Do you think there's a legitimate chance he wins 13 wins? Better than the, the previous two, right? So to sit here and say he's a 13-win coach, he's a 13-win coach, that was me two years ago. We see what this – we see what LaFleur has been without Aaron Rodgers right now. So with that being said – I hope he I hope he rises to the occasion. I hope they do it. Um, but you can't you can't sit here and say this is his record when it's obvious everything shifted and now we're in his offense and they're struggling this year. And uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, it's okay. We you can't you can't continue to 
In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Acknowledge those pelts on the wall, in my opinion. What's his record without Rodgers? That's the real question, right? And uh, you're seeing it this year. He's three and five. Obviously, they lost one uh, during the COVID, COVID toe year, right? So that's three and six. Um, I don't know is the exact record, but I imagine it's somewhere in that ballpark. So let me ask you this. Are you cool with let's just double those numbers and say, uh, you know, six and 12, right? Are you cool with a six and 12 uh, coach year in and year out? Because right now that's what LaFleur is without Rodgers, without Devontae Adams. And, and it may seem unfair, but like Tim said, man, it's the NFL. It stands for not for long when you perform like that, you know. Um, I just I like LaFleur so much. I love I love how he interacts. I think he's a guy that cares. I think he works his absolute tail off, but you gotta perform. You gotta you gotta, you know, there's gonna be a another great coach that's gonna get hired, probably a couple of them this coming year. There'll be some bad ones too, way more bad than good. You don't want to be on the outside looking in. It's kind of like the quarterback situation too. If by the end of the year we don't know 100 percent certainty that Jordan Love is the franchise quarterback that we hoped he was when we drafted him and ticked Rodgers off, then you can't you can't go another year and just go, well, let's let's give it one more shot, especially if there's a quarterback in the draft that falls to you that has a much higher grade than you had on him. Now, they may not have these quarterbacks graded out near as high, Tim, right? You, you, we, no one knows the grades that these teams have on them. That's why draft grades are just silly. It's stupid because – you know, you got the Mel Coppers and all these experts immediately after the draft. They go, oh, I'll give him this grade. I give him that grade. So you're telling me you understand how good these players are better than Brian Gudikins and his staff. Come on, dude. That's silly. Right. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of how I look at it. Uh, if they've got a higher grade than they had on Jordan Love, they'll take a swing at quarterback if one's available. Now, will they fall in love with one if they end up in the top five and try to sell the farm trade up and nab him? It's possible. I don't think that's Goody's style. You know, that was another thing that was overblown too, Tim. They uh, People were like, well, you traded up to get Jordan Love. We gave up a fourth-round pick. Let's not pretend like we sold the farm to get Jordan Love. There were so many people that were that that were defending Rodgers at the time, right? And uh, they made it sound as if we sold the farm to take a shot on Love. I agreed with the move at the time. Um, I just wish they would have let Rodgers know because every other great quarterback, they all agree, yeah, you got to let your QB know, hey, look, if this guy falls, we may take him. Or even right before you – Put the pick in, you know, give him a buzz and say, hey, hey, Aaron, listen, here's the plan, dude. We've got an extremely high grade on this guy just like we did you. And when we took you with Brett, we want him to sit behind you. This is your team till you want to retire. We want him to sit behind you and learn from the best. There's nothing wrong with handling it that way. Rather than him sitting at home thinking you're going to take a receiver and all of a sudden, well, they just drafted my replacement. But I don't know if all that makes sense or not, Tim. But what do you think about any of that? Did it provoke a thought? No, I agree. Um, I think, you know, when you talk about these quarterbacks and being in the know with the organization, um, yeah, especially a quarterback that brought you a title, um, multiple MVPs, played at a high level throughout his career, you know, upper echelon caliber quarterbacks. You talk about Peyton Mannings, you talk about Brady, you talk about Aaron Rodgers, you know, Drew Brees, guys that belong 
in this kind of upper echelon category. Yeah, I, I believe that. I don't think that they should have um, input as far as, you know, what the team is doing. That's where I draw the line. I don't think any player on that roster should be telling coaches or GMs, hey, I want this, I want that. Right. Um, but right. I do I do agree with the sentiment that I think at the very least he earned the right to be in the know. And certainly before they picked up that phone, you know, or they could have had the, they could have had the the deal working already, make in the process of making the move, and that could have been you know, like Aaron said, Facetime me or you know whatever, hit me up on on Instagram, whatever, send me a DM, and just just kind of soften the blow so that I don't start thinking crazy thoughts. I mean, I agree with that. I think I think Aaron earned that. Um, but yeah, I definitely don't think that, uh, you know, we hear about Peyton firing receivers and all of it. <laughs> so it's like, you know, whatever works in your organization, but, you know, I think, you know, at 1265, you know, we have a way of doing things here. That's a little unique and, um, always has been, but, uh, I agree, man. I think they dropped the ball on that. They could have at least gave him a heads up just so he was in the know. Um, because, you know, history proved that's exactly what they did. Right. I mean, Jordan sat behind Aaron for multiple seasons. Um, and I think it might've been smoother if, you know, Aaron knew that that was the plan going in. Um, but Hey, here we are, right. Jay loves QB one. And, and it's, uh, this is what we got to do. Absolutely, man. And let's hope it pans out. Cause dude, I'm telling you, if you remove the on field play, the inaccuracy and everything, right. That, that the shortcomings, he's done some great things too. If you just talk about the person he is, the leader he is, that's the guy you want leading your organization. I mean, I I love everything about Jordan. I really do. Yep. It's just, it, you know, you gotta, you also gotta be realistic. Like, hey, look, the accuracy has got to improve. You know, there was many people that actually uh, <clears throat> on uh, the QB the QB school yesterday um, with JTO Sullivan, he was talking about that uh, Dontavian Wicks throw, right? And the fumble and everybody was all over Dontavian Wicks and immediately one half of the fan base comes out and says, this is what we're talking about. Jordan has nothing to work with, you know, but like, J like JT O'Sullivan pointed out, bro, it was a horrible pass. The reason he fumbled is the placement of the ball. He had to, he had to pick it up off the ground, basically, right. Turn around then try to maintain possession. Also try to get the first down. Those little things matter. That's the difference between, you know, a college throw and a pro throw, right? NFL, you got to make that throw. Nick McSwain in the chat said, "People say pack, people say Packers aren't doing anything well, but don't they have the highest point total in the second half? If they could just translate that to the first half, we'd be golden." LOL. Nick, there's so much truth in that, man. Um, and again, my opinion of that, and I've said it over and over. I, I, I think, I think some people don't want to hear it. The reason we're doing so well in the second half is because you're down and you're forced to spread things out. You know. Uh, Coach LaFleur absolutely loves these condensed sets, right? The nasty splits, all that stuff we talk about on Chalk Talk. Um, and, you know, is it effective? Yeah, it's effective to a certain extent. But when when other coaches are scheming against you and they're, they're watching the tape and going, okay, we know here's the one, two, maybe three options that they have out of this specific set, and you're able to tighten everything up and condense it, more things go wrong for the offense than right in those situations. That's just my opinion. Um, it, I don't know if you guys have remember listening to uh, the play callers, right? The podcast that dropped this last summer, but they were talking about they were trying to give you a visualization of how Kyle Shanahan uh, comes up with play calls, and he, he would use multiple colors of uh, of dry erase, basically, right, or a sharpie, whatever you want to call it. And on his whiteboard, he would go to the whiteboard, and in black, he would draw up a play, okay, and then on the opposite side, in black he would draw up what defense would stop that play for him, right? So using that same formation in a blue pen he would or a blue marker, he would draw up, okay, how could we beat that out of the same set with as much of the same play as possible? Well, if we added in a choice here, right, where if he reads that the safety is playing too high, then he turns that sit or he turns that, he turns that corner route into a dig, we beat it there. So now in blue you have the answer – against cover two, right? So then he would draw in the same color, you know, in that same color, what would beat that? Okay, well, if you played with a, a cover two and you played a – you didn't play Tampa this time and you had a hook zone in the middle, that would take the dig away. That shuts down everything on the play. Then in green, he would get another marker and say, okay, how can we beat that defense? And that's how he designs his plays. There's, there's so many different levels to it. 
in that regard. And it, it, it truly is the definition of um, the illusion of complexity. It's simplicity with the illusion of complexity, right? And this is Bill Walsh 101. It's exactly what they talk about in the book, The Score Takes Care of Itself, is he tries to give multiple looks, the same exact route concepts, the same exact end result, because all it is is you're attacking space. The game of football is you're attacking space, you're defending space. So when you can figure out how to put a little window dressing out there and attack a defense with multiple looks, it causes them to overthink things as well, right? And and you might run that dig three yards deeper than you did, you know, on another call, right? And that's where the choice aspect comes in. And that's why you got to be careful when you're when you're when you're watching the tape and dissecting the tape like me. And also um, when when you're uh you're just trying to understand the offense at a different level. You've got to always throw in the caveat and try not to be the smartest person in the room. You always got to say, okay, this coaching staff, we don't know exactly what they're telling their players. We're, we don't know exactly how they're looking to attack this defense, right? So the choice routes have taken over the game. There's no doubt about that. It's what Kansas City is the best at it. There's no doubt. Um, let's see here what else we've got here. Great point. Red Moe in the chat, Tim, says, Kenny Pickett's a fourth-quarter quarterback. Uh, Packers are a back-half team. Has the makings of a slow-burn fourth-quarter shootout type of game. I completely agree. I think that's probably what we're going to see. I think it'll be low scoring. Um, matter of fact, Tim, I'll pull this up to go along with that real quick. If we look at some of the numbers that we were breaking down earlier in the, re- earlier in the week, offensive points per game, right, you see – uh, Green Bay. I may have to pop this off here. I'll come back to your comment in a minute. Actually, thank you so much, Redmo. Appreciate the appreciate the comment there, buddy. I'm going to mark it so I don't lose place in the chat here. All right, so Green Bay in points per game offensively is 20th, right? Notice you don't see Pittsburgh there. They actually are scoring less points than the Packers offensively per game, right? And you, you guys are going to see this and go, why does everyone think we're just going to get torched by the Steelers? Offense points per play. Green Bay 16th. Notice you don't see Pittsburgh on the list, right? They're lower than Green Bay. Um, offensive yards per play. Green Bay's 21st. Look in there. You don't see Pittsburgh, right? It just goes to show you how bad their offense has been. Now, when you go to defensive points per game, all right, Green Bay is 10th at 19.9. I'm going to say it again. In offensive, I'm sorry, opponent points per uh, game that you're allowing, okay, we are allowing the 10th least amount in the entire National Football League. Pittsburgh got an awesome defense, don't they? They're 13th at 20.4, okay? Um, defensive points per play, Green Bay is 8th at .303. Pittsburgh is 7th at .299. So you're starting to see how, how they kind of are very similar in that regard. Uh, opponent uh, yards per play, Green Bay is 6th. Pittsburgh isn't in the top 10. So what it tells you is that we are allowing less yards per play than the Pittsburgh Steelers defense is, okay? Um, Now, you've got to throw in the caveat, who have they played, who have we played, right? And when you look at the strength of schedule, it does show that. The Packers have played a soft schedule outside of Detroit. Many people don't want to mention that we did play Detroit, which is one of the best offenses in the league. But, Tim, with all that being said, um, and like I said with our uh, our buddy here in the chat, where's he at? Um, let's see, Red Mo with his uh, comment about Kenny Pickett being a fourth quarter cor- uh, quarterback. Um, say that three times fast. They this and the Packers are a back half team. Has the makings of a slow burn fourth quarter shootout. What do you think, man? I think he's spot on. I think this could be one of those games. Last team to score is going to win the game. You know, or last team with the ball is going to win the game. Um, I'm excited. I'm a defensive football connoisseur, so we're going to see two defenses going hard against uh, struggling opposing offenses. Um, I will tell you that coming off the Rams game, I think offensively we're feeling a little better about ourselves, so we got a little bit of steam going into this road game. Um, But, yeah, I think uh, if we get the type of defensive game I think we're going to get from our guys, uh, it's going to be a close game. And it's going to come down to can we do the small things? Um, can we, you know, can we extend drives? Can we not have stupid penalties in crunch time on third and two? You know, things like that. Because really, this Packers team, man, if if we took away, you know, all the times that they, you know, shot themselves in the foot, we'd be looking at a, a totally different record, in my opinion, right now. Um, so if we can eliminate some of these mistakes 
and just play good, solid football, I think we can come out with a win, albeit a close game. Uh, I definitely think it'll be less than a touchdown um, for sure. Uh, I'm, I'm like you. I don't like score predictions. But, yeah, my gut was telling me, like you were saying, like a like a 17-14 kind of deal, maybe a 20-17, to 17, something like that. Um, so we'll see, but I think it is, it's going to, it's going to be a slow burn. now, of course, watch us all be completely wrong. And these, <laughs> these two teams get in a shootout and they put a hundred points on the board, but cool, you know, I, yeah, right. I, I don't know, but, uh, I think it's going to be a close game. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Dr. Meekrob in the chat said, I think I said this last time, but, uh, Rogers even said he'd check out a 60% of the calls or pretend to not hear it in his helmet. I know he would play pranks on the floor acting like he didn't, he couldn't hear in the helmet and watch him lose his mind. But then Dr. Meekrob says that Musgrave TD, though, smiley, smiley face. Bro, that Musgrave TD, hands down, my favorite play of the year so far. And uh, I've talked about it. There, there may be people in here that didn't hear me talk about it, but I doubt it because I have just rant and raved over it this entire week. Um, there was just so much to it. It was so multifaceted. Again, it was a play they called Hollywood. That's what – that's what the play call was, was Hollywood, and everybody knew what it was. 21 personnel, right? What does that do? It triggers a 34 base for the defense. Then you come out and you flex the T, which was Aaron Jones, into the slot. That forces the coverage to tip their hand a bit and also cover that slot. So you're you're displacing them to, to your right, their left a little bit, right? Got to treat Aaron Jones as a receiver. Then they use T orbit motion, right? What does that do? T orbit motion, you're going you're gonna to now motion – uh, Aaron Jones, who's the T in the slot, in an orbit motion, which goes behind the quarterback. Well, now they've got to adjust to that. That forces a late shift from the defense. Uh, then you've got the double pulling guards. As soon as the, I mean, the second the ball is snapped, you've got linebackers reading the offensive line for keys. Is it a running play? Notice early in the game, they did something similar. They came out in the pony package, which was, the, it was essentially the same personnel, um, exactly the same personnel, but they had double sidecar. This time they just flexed the T. But when they use that motion of, of Aaron Jones out to the same area, out of the pony package, they hand it off inside zone to AJ. So you had that on film already, right? So on this play, you have the double pulling guards. So they're trying to read the offensive line. Is it that inside zone run again? No, it's not. Oh, the guards are pulling. The backer on one side thinks, okay, they're running to my side because the guard's pulling out here. He shifts that way. The, back, the backer on the other side or even the safety got eyes in the backfield. The other guard goes in the opposite direction. What's that do? Completely opens up the middle of the field. And uh, then, of course, you had the X-Fade. He had an X-Fade tied in, which I think was Dobbs on the left. That X-Fade holds the free safety at home because he had some kind of a, a bracket coverage, whether it was cover two man or or just cover one, and he, he knew, hey, look, we want to take away Dobbs. They did shadow Dobbs quite a bit in that game. Um, uh, I wouldn't – necessarily called 100% bracket coverage, but they were definitely putting extra attention to him. That holds the free safety deep down the sideline. Then Musgrave's timing on the leak was absolutely phenomenal. Imagine you're the backer on that side, and you could see it. I think it was number 59 or number 54. You could see him looking in the backfield to him, and you see the guard pull. He starts to take a step, and then you see Musgrave lock up and run block. It looks like they're they're either going to run block or help with that lead swing. He locks up. Now the backer commits. He he thinks oh, the tight end ain't doing anything. I got to attack that swing. That's what they're trying to do here. Yep. Sells it. I'm telling you, like a used car salesman, bro. Leaks out to the seam. Beautiful play call. And then on top of that, Jordan Love with the double swing fake. I mean, there was multi facets there. You got 21 personnel. You flex the T. You use T orbit motion. You had two pulling guards that were just a complete decoy. You had an X fade oscillating the middle of the field, taking the free safety with you. You had Musgrave, great timing on the leak, deceptive there run blocking, leak out to the seam, and then a double swing fake. It gives you options, too. A lot of people didn't see that. I almost wonder if there's some kind of check within that play post-snap where he can actually hit Aaron Jones on that play because there were no offensive linemen downfield. It wouldn't have been a penalty for ineligible because the guards were kind of pulling on the lead swing. Some people were calling it a screen. If it was a screen, they would be trying to get out front. You notice the guards were just pulling out. So I think there might be a lead swing tied in there. But what did you think about that play, man? I mean, we're almost a week removed from it, and I'm still over here slobbering over it. What's so exciting to me is, as I said this about a month ago, I felt that we've been running 12 personnel a lot, a, a little bit too much, and I had made a kind of a joke about I'd love to see some 21 personnel. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the last two weeks we've seen more 21 personnel peppered into this offense. 
And I think what we saw in this play was the culmination of everything. I mean, you had a perfect play call situationally. You had a perfect play call. You had the right personnel and then you had complete execution by everyone on the field. And it's, you know, one of the few times that that seemed to have happened for us this year and it worked. So yeah, that, that play certainly burned in my mind. Um, the deception built into that play just to throw that, that defense off. And then, um, yeah, Jordan loves sealing the deal. You know, if he doesn't, if he doesn't run those lookoffs like that, the right way, that whole play is busted, you know, like that was the, the cherry on top is him. You know, you talked about Jones too selling, you know, Jones and Dylan selling the, uh, selling the run action and, you know, Jordan finishing that play and then making a good throw in time, in rhythm, on target ish. And, uh, we get a touchdown, you know, the only thing we, we missed was, uh, Luke Musgrave's inaugural Lambo leap, but you know, Hey, we'll get another one. We'll get them back. Yeah, no doubt. George Klein in the chat said, who do you guys like more Wicks or Heath? I know for me, hands down, it's Wicks, man. I'm so excited about Tay Wicks. He's uh he's just a route running machine. We actually broke it down on chalk talk. There was one play where he uh he did a little just a little extra double move at the end or at the top of the route to to run the out. And it was almost like a sell, a little mini sell route too. It was kind of a comeback, but with an out tied in. And uh sure enough, uh, Jordan hit him in, I mean hit him absolutely perfect on the sideline. Who who's your pick there, though, Tim? You like Wicks or Heath better? You know, I think about camp and those two were on my list along with uh, Bo Melton. Unfortunately, Bo Melton had some injuries and kind of kind of faded into obscurity towards the end of camp. Um, but Malik Heath and, and Tay Wicks were, were two guys a lot of us were looking at. And I like them both. I really do. But I, I got to give the the edge to uh, to Tay Wicks. And um, it is it's another one of these rookies that doesn't seem to be playing like a rookie. Yeah. Uh, sharp routes, crisp routes, uh, good hands. You know, I he's got a bright future. I don't really see a ceiling with him. And honestly, don't write Malik Heath off yet either. You know, there's a lot of things that can happen as this season progresses. And then we we head into next year. We don't know what's going to happen with personnel. But Malik Heath is a guy that I think is going to be around um, for a while, kind of holding up the top end of the bottom end of the depth chart in that receiver room. So, uh, mm -hmm. you know, I don't want to write Heath off. Um, he had that opportunity Sunday, had a drop on a low ball. It happens. Um, right. You know, I'm sure it won't be the last we see of him. And it was kind of nice that they did kind of sprinkle him in there, uh, give him a chance to get some action. So, but, you know, the the better that Tay Wicks continues to play, the the less likely Malik <laughs> Heath is going to see the field. Um, yeah. But, man, do we have a weapon there? And, you know, I get really excited when I see Wicks and Reed on the field at the same time. Cause I put myself, you know, in the shoes of a guy in the secondary and I'm looking at those two guys and then, Oh, by the way, there's this Romeo Dobbs dude out on the boundary, you know, it creates problems for these defenses and uh, you know, guys like Reed and Wicks playing like, you know, third and fourth year veterans in their rookie year certainly helps. So um, yeah, I think Wicks has got a bright future, man. That's my pick for sure. Yeah, definitely. Drew in the chat says, I just think when you clean house, a guy deserves more than a year to build up the new team. Yeah, I've said it all year long, Drew. It's unfair for LaFleur. There's no doubt, man. It's kind of like he was uh, he, he was kind of sent out there with uh, with very little ammunition to take on an army. Right. Um, but yeah, with that being said, you can't you can't come out and bomb out with three wins. Right. Um, that's uh, you, you're going to have to win to me. You know, the closer you get to six, the better I feel about it. But um, the other thing, scrappy, too, right? You don't have you don't have a lot of ammo. You got to get scrappy. You got to yeah. fight a little hand to hand. You got to get gritty. <laughs> got to do what you can to just win a game, right? Yeah, and when you say scrappy, the first thing that comes to mind for me is a a little uh, twenty one T flex uh, double swing fake. <laughs> Yeah. Week, right, right. So, how's that for creative right exactly exactly so yeah again drew like i said man it's just it's one of those things that i coming into the season it was like man this is i hope they had a conversation behind the scenes where goody and murphy and lafleur sat down and said listen guys it's gonna be a rough year okay we got the youngest team in the league this is a two-year project everybody's safe all right let's let's get Let's get this thing built the right way. Let's hope that was the conversation. Because if the conversation was just, I think this team's better than it was last year. Lafleur's going it. No wonder he's so angry on the sideline, right? But right. Let's hope he. Let's hope he does make it though for sure. 
Um, all right, let's see here. George in the chat says, really feel like Wicks will be an all-pro one day. Um, I can see it. I'll tell you this. If you, I challenge everybody to do this. There's plenty of tape out there. If you've got Game Pass, you've probably got all the tape. Um, go back and watch Devontae Adams his rookie year, okay? I want you to key in on Devontae Adams his rookie year and watch Tay Wicks this year. And tell me of those two players, how, what you see on tape that rookie year, which one would you take over the other? I'm telling you, man, Tay Wicks looks better this year than Devontae Adams' rookie year. Now, immediately people are going, he's saying he's better in time. I'm not saying that. Tay had a drive in him to be the best receiver in the league. The, the I say Tay. Devontae <laughs> had a drive in him to be the best receiver in the league. He absolutely mastered his craft. He worked through the drops, all those things, right? Question is, does Dontavian Wicks have that same drive, right? But just – from a rookie standpoint and what they came in with, Tay's a little bit ahead of him. But, man, you – Devontae Adams is special, Tim. That dude, he was going to work his guts out, man. You know, the only thing is, too, is you often see this, too, though. You can see guys come in as a rookie and have a phenomenal rookie season, and then that's it. There's nowhere but down uh, from them. And then you compare that to a guy like Tay Adams who struggled early and stayed with it and just year after year got better and better to the point now where, yeah, like he is that dude. So not, I'm not saying that's going to happen with Wicks. Um, and I do see that same uh, dedication to the game with him. Uh, Tay Wicks is, um, you know, his head is in the game. A lot of times with the younger players, sometimes you got to you gotta try and get their attention and get that focus built up. Um, but he's not one of those guys. Just like Jaden Reed, there's a lot of rookies on this team that are playing like experienced pros, and that's what you want to see. Um you know, I'm going to look at Wicks' development and see, you know, based on the type of rookie year he had, let's let, let's see what year two looks like. Are you continuing your ascent or are you going to plateau and just be like, hey, this is who I am? You know, we've seen that time and time again, especially with um, high draft picks, you know, first and second round draft picks that make a big splash in the league. And then they're nowhere to be found a couple years into their career. And, you know, they become you know, journeyman type of players who just kind of one-year deals and float around the league. So yeah. um, I think Tay Wicks is, uh, like I said, there is no ceiling. And um, I think he does. I think he's got that same commitment to uh, his craft. You know, being wide receiver in the NFL is a pretty difficult position. Not quite as difficult as quarterback, but um, there's a lot in the mentals that goes into that game and then the physical preparation alone. So you know, as long as he stays committed, I think he's going to continue to get better every year. Yeah. Dr. Meekrop says, I agree, Drew. I'd give him another year, provided we see more improvement the rest of the season. And Carly Ray said, good point, Drew. Uh, but just like the draft players uh, that aren't working out, worst thing is a double down on a system that's not working. Uh, LaFleur needs to show he can adapt. And, and, you know, Carly Ray, that's what I've seen, too. Like I said, it was about week four that we started to adjust that running game. And you could see – he toned back the sifts, the double sifts, the double pulling guards, all those things, and got back to zone and duo and uh, just kind of keeping things simple, right? Um, so I think we have seen some of that adaptation, and I think that, you know, if we build off of what happened against the Rams, you know, the sky's the limit. Maybe you can start working some of those other looks back in. With you, you guys remember the first two weeks of the season? Nobody's talking about this. Yeah. When we were screaming – I was screaming at the top of my lungs that, guys, we got to tone this back. This is what Rodgers was talking about. You need to simplify things. Remember the speed options where they're running the option play and getting Aaron Jones absolutely destroyed? Like, it, it bothers me because you could tell they spent all summer going, this is going to be a part of our offense. This is going to work. And they and it never worked one time. About <laughs> got your running back killed. And it's like, okay, that, that part of LaFleur kind of has me going. And I was excited about seeing a little option play. But when they ran the triple option, guys, there's a reason that college runs triple option and the pros don't. It does not work in the pro. Speed option, I get it, but you got to have the hat count. They were trying to force a square peg in a round hole with a negative hat count, thinking you could run the option. When you've got a plus one hat count from the defense's perspective and you try to run a speed option off the side, it's real simple. I'm taking a running back, you get the quarterback. It's one-on-one. In some cases, a plus one with a guy behind you, you you can't go in just assuming okay a speed option will work. You know this isn't this isn't NCAA football on PlayStation, right? You can't just key right. that up ninety percent of the time and it work. I like what you know when you keep it simple like that, you can almost lull a defense into a sense of complacency, and I think we saw that with the Rams. 
you know, we were running a lot of simple sets, no, nothing spectacular with our run game, right? We didn't, we didn't have huge yards per carry or chunk runs, but we methodically ran our offense. And then we see the plays like the one to Musgrave, right? Or we see these calls where all of a sudden that complexity or the illusion of it gets peppered in. And then the defense is like, Oh, what the hell? What do we, what do, what do we do now? Because, you know, you are expecting an inside zone run because it's been happening to you all day long. And then all of a sudden it gets switched up. I think early in the season, we saw LaFleur just like firing every rocket he had at his disposal and kind of just, you know, there was no, there, there was no deception. You know, the, the defenses were just keying into what we were doing. Now it's like you kind of play this game, you know, where you're going to keep it simple and have an effective offense that can sustain these drives. And then, you know, that Musgrave play is a great example, man. Perfect play call, perfect time for that play call, which was set up by the previous runs in the previous series. That's why that play worked. Yep, no doubt, no doubt. Uh, George in the chat, George Klein says, talk about Jones lifting Wicks's head up after the fumble. You really got to love that, man. Did you see that, Tim? Yeah, and uh, and then the, the, the other thing I saw too, which not a lot of people talk about is, you know, Jones was first over to him there. Um, and kind of picked him up right away, probably talking him up. And then when they went to the bench, Romeo Dobbs came over. And you had Dobbs uh, on the right side and had Jones on the left side. And both of them had their arm around Wicks. Both of them were talking to him. So what I got from that was there's Aaron Jones being a leader, being being this guy that he is. We all know who Aaron Jones is in Titletown. And then you just instantly see it inspire the leadership in Romeo Dobbs. It's almost like you want to you want a great example of leading by example. There it is right there. You know, Romeo sees that and goes, hey, that's my dude. You know, I was a rookie last year. I remember what it was like when I had drops and Aaron Jones came over to me and helped me keep my head in the game. Let me go do that for for my for my teammate right now. So that was uh, I thought that was telling, man. And it shows the uh, the connection these guys have in this locker room. We talk about guys playing for each other and. um you know, if you're teetering on obscurity and possibly not making the playoffs and, you know, this kind of thing, then you got to find something to play for. And you can always play for each other, man. Definitely. Here's that clip. I don't want to go full screen. I don't want to get hit with a copyright or anything, but it's a real quick seven, seven second clip you'll see right here. He's got his head down walking to the sideline. Watch Aaron Jones. I, I love how he looks him right in the eye, too, Tim. He's just like, yep. do. you pick your yep. damn head up, bro. You pick your head up. You're good. Little Pat, let's go, dude. Come on, man. Okay. That's the type of stuff that makes me just fall in love with football, man. I love it. Okay. A group of guys, a group of people, you know, guys, women, whatever, coming together and accomplishing something together, removing all ego, picking each other up. Man, that's what this country needs more of. There's no doubt about it. Amen. Um, Carly Ray in the chat said, uh, Clayton, why do you think he likes those nasty sets? What, what advantage do they offer over spread formations? The answer is real simple, Carly. Um, the league is very cyclical. You you talk about it. You've read about it, I'm sure. Um, I've heard you mention it from time to time. We just come out of an era of football. You know, in the 90s, it was run heavy. It was eye formation, all those things, right? Pounding the rock, play action off of it, all those things. It's very cyclical. That was what was big in the 90s. As you get in the early 2000s, you see the spread start to take over. It took over college. Then it took over the NFL, West Coast spread. That is what Mike McCarthy ran, right? Spreading everything out, wide splits. Some people go to the extreme of Baylor splits where they're literally right on the sideline. But most, for the most part, people will play a normal wide split, right? Um, so you come out of this era with that. Defense has had to adjust from going from a run-heavy eye formation, you know, top set, to now you've got these spread formations. The defense caught on and they started to shut it down. It's why Mike McCarthy's offense went stale when it did because defense has caught on. So what happened is this McVay style, they condensed everything. So these defenses are used to playing with outside technique, with specific looks. They're they're preparing for a spread look. Now you come with a condensed look, right? And what it does is now it forces the defense. It takes a little while. Those, de- the, those defensive coordinators, they've got egos too, right? They're like, this is what works. I know it works. It's worked the last 10 years. We're going to continue to do this. Well, when you've got those, those wider looks, right, and you're kind of playing everything outside in, from a defensive standpoint, having to protect against the bomb because in every single play within a West Coast offense, especially the spread offense where you've got most of the time five targets going out in the pass concept, you're going to attack the you're going to attack deep most of the time on both sides of the field and then have underneath options as well. So 
to answer your question, I'm trying not to go too nerdy here and make it too long. You come out of an era where they're protecting, they're defending against those spread looks, and you attack with the condense. You're now able to run the ball inside. When they start to close up, you've got outside zone. Now you've got boot action flow off of it. You can play action boot in the opposite direction. You're manipulating the defense entirely. You throw in the strike concept where you'll throw in a deep corner with a crosser underneath. This defense didn't know what to do. Well, guess what's happened now? Defenses have caught on to that, so they're having to get more and more creative. The play that we just talked about that I geeked out over, the Musgrave touchdown, the 49ers actually ran. We stole it from the 49ers, okay? So, every, you know, it's a copycat league. People steal from us, we steal from them. That's just the way the league works. But to answer your question, he likes those nasty sets because that's what they had success with while defenses were trying to adjust to the wide zone boot as well as the nasty splits. Now the defenses have caught on. You've got to be willing to adapt. You've got to be. And you see that in the second half because the team's losing and they have to spread things out because now we got to move the ball quickly. That's just my opinion. I'm I'm just a dumb redneck. That's kind of the way I see it. Um, but uh, I think that's the best way I know to answer that, though, Carly. Great question, though. Great question. Um, let's see what else we got here. we got to wrap this thing up. And I did not expect there to be this many people in here. This is absolutely awesome. We're definitely going to be doing some more morning shows for sure. I just hate leaving people's comments behind, guys. Please don't take, you know, take offense to it. I wish I could get to them all. Um, but you guys have absolutely lit it up. Uh, the question I just answered was probably 20 minutes ago when it was asked him. So um, <laughs> it's a good problem but at the same time. Let's just wrap up with a couple more here, and I'll get your parting thoughts. Tim, I appreciate you jumping on, man. This was a pleasant surprise for sure. Um, Omar in the chat said, this team lived and died with Jones. Why he needs 25 carries. He's the best player on offense and has been for the past few years. Yeah, and a lot of people are dogging him for the PFF grade. Um, you know, it, <laughs> The reason he's on the field, you're drawing attention to him, right? You're trying to run the ball. I still think he was effective. I know the PFF grade was low, mainly because the fumble. If you remove the fumble, he probably would have graded out close to 70 would be my guess. So the the people who are acting as if all, all of a sudden he's hit the wall, it could be the wall, right? I'm not saying it isn't. But I just don't like people speaking in definitives like, hey, here's here's what's actually going on. Aaron Jones is washed up. Dude's playing banged up. It's important to get him those carries because he's a home run hitter. And if you've got him on the field, it's – Tim, it's the same thing. You remember the Super Bowl where they were talking about Terrell Davis? And yep. uh, it was – he He had a migraine. He said, Coach, I can't see. And and uh, Mike Shanahan, Kyle's dad, said, listen, I don't need you – you don't need to see. We're not going to give you the ball. I just need you to be out there so they think we're, we're giving it to you. And I believe that was the bootleg play where Elway gets helicoptered, right? Am I thinking right? Yep. And, and you know what? That's a great point because Aaron Jones – you can say what you want, but we all know at any moment that you could get a 58-yard run up the gut and go, and it's going to the house. On any one of these little condensed set, spread set, whatever, um, could be a little A-gap run, and all of a sudden he slips a defender and finds a seam and he's gone. We've seen right. that time and time again. We haven't seen it recently, and you're right. The guy's, you know, he's getting older. He's got a hamstring issue, you know. It's called football. Things happen. Nobody nobody plays in the NFL and doesn't have issues physically. It doesn't happen. So um, Jonesy is that threat. And I think it's telling. You're right. Omer's right. We have to give him consistent touches and carries so that these defenses have to account for him. And as we saw, when a defense has to account for, for 33 out there, all of a sudden we see other things open up. Yeah. You know, so – no doubt, no doubt. George Klein with the chat said, I really believe part of Love's inaccuracy is from not really playing since college. He'll catch fire soon. That's a good point. You know, he, yeah. he's been throwing this entire time. He's been working with the pro coach and staff, but I think there is a lot to that too, man. He's just been kind of in the bullpen warming up the whole time, right? So uh, I hope he fixes it. Like I said, man, I love him as a leader. I think he's got the right attitude. I think he's someone that the team will follow. Um, you can tell they want to perform for him too, Tim. There's no doubt. And another point about Jordan Love, too, is that you, you spoke a little bit about him uh, personally as a person. Um, Jordan is a guy who's a very young man and has been through a lot of adversity uh, in his life, uh, going back to childhood and through high school and college. Um, personally and professionally, you look at uh, what he had to deal with in college, losing his, uh, his staff and the shakeups that happened. I believe that was going into his last year. Um, and then you see him come to the NFL and he loses his, you know, first opportunity out of preseason in the NFL 
where you can get some of those early, early reps. And uh, we didn't have it. We had the COVID COVID shortened preseason. So um, there could be some truth to that. You know, it's been, it's been a long time coming. And I think, you know, we're only halfway through this year. Yeah. I, I fully expect him to get hotter and hotter as we continue to go through this season. So. Yeah, definitely. Yep. All right, let's do it. Let's uh, let's wrap this thing up, man. I appreciate everybody hanging out with us. You guys are awesome. Uh, this is uh, this is a lot of fun. I think this is going to be good. My schedule should be freed up to do quite a few of these. I, I can't commit to every day, but you'll get a lot of these uh, starting in the month of November. You know, um, pretty much every year. I plan on this. This is looking like a long term thing for me now, um, which is exciting. But uh, it's a lot of work, but it's fun. It's a blast, and uh, really appreciate everybody hanging out with us in the chat. Um, we're definitely going to be back for Packers Total Access Live tonight. Probably will be 7 p.m. Central, 8 Eastern. So uh, be on the lookout for that link to drop. But I can't thank you guys and gals enough for hanging out with us. Uh, you guys made this show, and I'm looking forward to doing many more. I want to give a special shout-out to George Klein. Thank you so much for the super chat, buddy. We appreciate you supporting the stream. Guys, don't forget, everybody who's a member of the YouTube group, uh, the PTA Posse, uh, you will be entered into the uh, the contest to win the autograph. Dave Robinson jersey that we're going to be giving away during the post-game show immediately following Packers Steelers this Sunday. So, Tim, thank you so much for your time, man, being out there live at the stadium. Love to see that shot of, of the Lambeau statue, man. I swear I could sleep in the parking lot of that place. But, again, I appreciate you. And uh, I know you uh, you being the the smart guy that you are, you found a way to to make it work, to help the wife out. You get out a little early and and get out there and uh, give us a little shot of Lambeau. But we and you know what's so cool, Clayton? What's that? It's nine o'clock my time, which means the pro shop just opened. So this is perfect timing. Yeah. Might have to might have to do a little shopping today. Hey man, if you see anything in there that you think I might like, um definitely <laughs> uh you know, shoot me a picture. Say hey, Clayton, what do you think about this? I'll make it worth your time. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I got you, man. I'm gonna get one of them little scanners. I'll just scan everything. <laughs> Sounds good, dude. Sounds good. All right, man. Well, we appreciate everybody hanging out with us in the chat again. Um, this is uh, Good Morning Lambo. We we'll, we may do another one tomorrow morning. We'll definitely do a pregame show in the format of this right here uh, for the Packers Steelers. But like I said, thank you all for your time. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world. And go Pack Go.